And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. Opportunity zones, what are they? They're kind of new. The concept isn't necessarily new, but they have a whole lot of complexity rules and things that most people don't even know exist. These are not just about real estate people. They offer some great, great opportunities. Now, speaking of great opportunities, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Lending Standard, the only secure online origination and underwriting platform solution for HUD, Fannie, Freddie, and bank multifamily lenders. Visit LendingStandard.com to learn more or click the link in the show notes. Now, in order for me to have a conversation that helps your business grow, I got to have a conversation with someone. With me today, I've got Leonard Mills. Leonard is the CEO of the Verte Opportunity Fund. You can learn more about what they do by going to VerteOZ.com. That's V-E-R-T-E-O-Z.com. There's a link in the show notes, which will make it even easier for you to visit them and Lending Standard straight out of College Park, Maryland. Leonard, welcome to Startup Hustle. Uh, thank you, Matt. So great to be here. Yeah, well, I, I'd like to, before we get this conversation started, you know, I like to say no one tells the backstory better than CEOs and founders. So uh, give me a brief history of, of Leonard Mills and Verte. And that, that sounds like a great place to get started. Yeah. Okay, great. So I'm a, a, a trained economist by training, and that's many moons ago. Uh, however, I've been involved in early in my career in uh, public policy. Uh, and then I got involved in investment management, uh, mostly in uh, fixed income and real estate portfolios on the institutional side. Uh, uh, Fast forward uh, a couple decades there, and then I ended up doing, um, starting out on my own and doing a, so I'm, I'm used to startup companies and entrepreneurial uh, trials and tribulations there. So hopefully that resonates with your audience. Uh, but I started out on my own. I uh, created a investment advisory company of my own. And uh, our first uh, sort of large effort was around a venture capital fund which I had never done before. This was in 2015. Um, and we uh, had some success with that fund. I found it very interesting to be dealing with uh, young emerging companies. Um, and then when the Opportunity Zone legislation passed um, in 2017, and then fast forward a couple of years, by the time they got the regulations in place to 2019, um, I said, you know what? The other fund had closed to new investors. Uh, however, we decided that this is really interesting. I found a pretty uh, compelling uh, public policy reaching back in my time that this is a great tax policy and designed to bring capital, financial capital, and I would argue human capital, 
into areas that have traditionally not, uh, you know, had those uh, funding opportunities. So we started the fund 2019, uh, fast forward a little bit with COVID there in early 2020, which kind of slowed everything down. Uh, but we're up and running. We have uh, about 10 companies currently in the portfolio. They range from all kinds of different industries, all kinds of different locations. So we're not bound geography-wise or industry-wise. Um, and we invest in early-stage uh, companies uh, that we think will have high growth potential. Uh, and we're uh, invested for the long term. Uh, by, by the nature of the program, it's a long-term investment horizon, uh, and therefore we view ourselves as partners with our companies that we're investing in, uh, and we're in for the long haul to generate growth and uh, help those companies and then help our investors. So it's, it's uh, marrying those two interests. So according to the IRS, an opportunity zone is defined as an economic development tool that allows people to invest in distressed areas in the United States. The purpose is to spur economic growth and job creation in low-income communities while providing tax benefits to investors. Now, okay, so what exactly does that mean, Leonard? Yes, very good. Um, well, the tax, I'll, I'll come from the tax side first, even though that's you started at the beginning there, which is really the fundamental policy side. The tax side is for the investor, if they take uh, their capital gains, uh, that they may have uh, achieved from, uh, you know, really anything. Anything's eligible. There's no restrictions on where the capital gains come from. Uh, you would normally pay taxes on those capital gains um, as part of your normal tax filings. What the program allows is you to uh, defer and reduce and ultimately, which is where we play the most, eliminate capital gains. So if you uh, put your money in after uh, 180 days, there's some restrictions there. After 180 days or before 180 days, you can defer your taxes now up to five years. Uh, you can reduce those taxes on those realized capital gains by 10%. Uh, and importantly, if you hold on to your new investment that you put into the Opportunity Zone Fund, uh, if you hold on to that investment for 10 years, any capital gains that you realize on the new investment is literally tax-free. So if you think about, uh, you know, getting a 10x on your uh, money over 10 years, uh, which is possible in, a, in an early-stage company, um, that 10x uh, is pretty much all capital gains. And the federal government will take, depending on the tax legislation at that time, you know, anywhere from, you know, 20 four percent, 25 percent could go as high as 30 percent. And you know, who knows what in the future. But it doesn't really matter what it is in the future, because there are no capital gains taxes on that 10 year investment. That's on the investor side. And as as alluded to in the legislation that you just read, the purpose of that is to bring long term capital into those areas. So there's certain geographically designated areas. There's 8,700 census tracts across the U.S. Every state has them. Every, uh, uh, you know, there's, they're, they're quite widespread. They're, they're all over the place and, uh, and including uh, some U.S. territories. So there's, there's a number of these opportunity zones and the idea is to bring that capital 
uh, into those areas, that financial capital for a long-term capital commitment. Um, we share that, but we also try to uh, bring, as I mentioned earlier, a partnership to the companies. So we not only view ourselves as capital partners, uh, but business partners. We help them in their business development uh, to the extent we can and have expertise. And we help them with uh, you know, finding other uh, synergies with, across whatever industry they're in. So those are the other things we look for. So I, I first became familiar with Opportunity Zones when they came out, largely because many of the people, I, I don't know if I really hang out with people that aren't entrepreneurs or maybe capitalists, yeah. um, just for the nature of my business and who I do business with. It's usually CEOs and founders and a lot of different stuff, but also became aware of Opportunity Zones because I needed to move my office at full scale. And I believe you and I have had a prior conversation about this outside of the show. So right, right. not knowing what an Opportunity Zone was, I went and I started diving into it and I started looking and, um, you know, lo and behold, years later, we are about to take occupancy in our new office in downtown Kansas City, Kansas. There now, you go. For those of you listening, I'm in Kansas City. That's where all the hosts, all the full-time hosts for Startup Hustle exist. But most people don't know this. Kansas City is mainly in Missouri. So at Kansas City, as you know it as a downtown, is in Missouri, not yeah. Kansas. But there is yeah. a little tiny tract of it. Now, that said, 80 years ago, 50 years ago, it was a bustling, vibrant part of town. And then for whatever reason, yeah, I mean, that's a whole nother topic. It turned to shit and it's just like vacant buildings. The businesses were gone and it was distressed. Mm -hmm. And uh, so overall, and I'm going to, uh, this is my attempt to kind of simplify this for the non-economists here. <laughs> no one wants to invest money in communities like that because the real estate isn't hot. And it means that you can get stuck with it for a lot of time and a, for a long time. And a lot of time it requires not only the purchase of it, but significant investment just to make it work usable yeah. I mean, literally like habitable. So in order to incentivize businesses to, or investors or whatever, they have to come up with something, you right. know, and, and that's, and you know, that's where this came from. But one of the things that I found the most interesting that, and I never hear people talk about this because everyone that I talk to about opportunity zones is all about the real estate. You can invest in businesses that are in, the OZ too, and experience the exact same benefits as long as the substantial portion of said businesses operations occur within the, I meaning like they're housed there, they, you know, like they're, they're in the opportunities and have, listen, people, there are 8,700, uh, 8,700 opportunities. And these aren't sometimes are big swaths of big patches of, of, of geography. So from the perspective of a startup, if you can get your business in there, like you, per, you have actually opened up the possibility of taking in funding and money from a whole nother segment of, of capital. And if you're there, cause like Leonard said, they, this is intended to be a long play. If you're there for 10 years now, now most people are like, yeah, you know, the, that business exited after three years. No, it didn't. It was probably like eight to 10. Like every decent exit that occurs isn't after three years. It usually isn't. It's usually further down the line yeah. in that particular situation. Also, as Leonard mentioned, say you have a hundred million dollar exit. It's a huge tax liability. 
So if you have the foresight to set these things up, take in the money, work with the right people, maybe even buy the building that you're in or something. Right. Okay. I mean, that's that's a a, a neat thing, in my opinion. Now, I don't qualify. My business doesn't qualify for that because most of my employees are in the Philippines. But that's okay. We still wanted to go down. We just moved into like a a 17,000 square foot building. And, mm-hmm. and, and by the way, that building had been purchased by the people we're working with seven years ago, they put a million dollars into renovating it and then it sat vacant for six years. Yeah. So that tells you like how tricky this stuff could be. That's a very illiquid asset because no one wants to buy that building right. yeah. or, or at least at, at a loss. So, um, you know, anyway, there's a lot of neat stuff going on now in regards to, so we have real estate, we have businesses. What else is what else is under that legislation or that you found that could possibly be covered? Is any of that related to equipment or anything else? I'm well, not really sure. Yeah. So really, um, well, so the real estate is very easy to define. It's 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 fundamentally True. location based incentive. So you got to be located mm-hmm. somewhere. And the reason the real estate have particularly latched onto it is they're used to location based incentives. And so that that as an asset class was initially the uh, the where everyone landed. Uh, however, I'm going to speak specifically at the beginning here to startup businesses, early stage companies, and it, and typical a typical profile is probably one of you didn't qualify because of the uh, the extra uh, dimensions you had there with both real estate and, and the business, but. Uh, as a general rule, what ends up happening is a startup company, I'll just pick on that, a startup company typically leases their property. They have at the beginning a few employees, so it's five, ten, whatever number, they lease that property. Uh, they may have some equipment, computers, uh, maybe some light manufacturing equipment or, what, or whatever the case may be. Um, and as long as, as you put it, uh, a substantial portion, and not 100%, but a substantial portion of those employees and found, and that would include the founders, uh, and their equipment are located there, um, or their headquarters are there. And again, these are small companies, so typically they only have one, they may only have one location, uh, but they can have multiple locations. As long as they're in the opportunity zones, they qualify. And the way we think about a small business is they won't be small. Our hope and their hope is they they won't be small forever. They want to grow. And I'm going to come back to your point about the eight year horizon or something. They may go through several expansion uh, periods during that where they're needing new financing. They're hiring another 50 people. And, you know, this would be the great uh, this would be the great story in that neighborhood in that opportunity zone uh suddenly it started out at five and then it's 10 and then it's 20 and then it's 50 and now it's suddenly a real business a substantial business and that's the hope that's the long-term goal there both for the founders and the tax legislation so it's a perfect mesh of incentives there um and you know they could they may have to figure out a different location. There may be some complication and, and, and there's, there's some rules, but I always encourage the, the businesses uh, don't view it as a lot of rules because it is doable and, and they may not know about it, but it's imminently doable. We've done it. Other people have done it. Uh, 
Uh, and it's not just about real estate. It is about businesses. So, uh, you know, we don't want to get into the weeds here, I don't think, on all the rules. They're not that complicated. Don't be scared by them. You can fit them on one page of paper. So, yeah, I got, I got, th I got through it and like, you know, like, a, like, the, like while eating lunch in front yeah, of my computer, you, you know, cool. like in an afternoon, I was going to meet with someone about yeah. it and I was like, I should maybe know something about yeah, this first. Exactly. And so, yeah, yeah I think I went through and it was, it was pretty straightforward. Now that was also three or four years ago. I don't know how much of that's changed. It but. hasn't changed. It's the same rules and, and people are doing it. And, uh, again, it's, uh, Again, if, it, if that scenario that I painted there, it worked. It, uh, it brought, it, you know, it may take eight years to get there or, you know, two funds. Of, you, you never know. know. You just you never, never know. know. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, give it a chance. So, so, yeah. so, Leonard, someone out there is thinking they're going to Corsi. You moved your business to an opportunity zone. You don't own the building and you don't get the you don't get the benefit of the business side of it. Why are you even doing it? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One, it was cheap. Yeah. I'm like, and I'm in a, like a space that's freshly renovated. Like, I mean, it's all done and it's at 25% of the cost of, of being five minutes away right. in downtown Kansas city. Also my family I come from a family of entrepreneurs and they first did business in Kansas city, Kansas in 1903. Yeah. And I want, and I want, and I feel a social responsibility that my business leave a positive impact somewhere, somehow. And, and look, I'll tell you, Leonard, it, it takes me 30 minutes to drive there. I could have very easily gotten the space right around the corner from my house. Yeah. But that was impact free, man. Like, yeah, you know, else, like, it may have been more expensive, yeah. as you pointed out, too. Yeah. So. It would have been a lot more expensive. It would have been a lot more convenient, and I could have justified it either way. But we actually reached out. We did meetings with the mayor, the city manager. We worked with the company that owns the building to partner up. Uh, I'm proud to say that uh, it's not just me from Startup Hustle, but Andrew Morgans, our host on Tuesdays for Amazon and e-commerce, has moved his business in. Yeah to the main floor of the building. And now all of a sudden we have a little spark in the downtown area. And that's, Absolutely. and that that's exactly, spark, yeah. That little spark will that, turn into a fire. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. And, and you know what, it, and it will, or it won't. Now, yeah. look, I'm not, I'm not a social crusader. I, I support so many people that are, but I got my hands full with my business right. and my family right now. And I'm just trying to hang on to that. So this but, is my but, way of, 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 you know, of doing that. Now, here's the thing, because this is an opportunity zone, it's also not trafficked. Like I, I park right in front of my building and walk <laughs> right in. It's our own structure. It's our own building. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's like, and you know, there, and now opportunity zones come in a lot of shapes and flavors. Some of them may literally like be the shell of a building. Yeah, like maybe even half of a shell of the building in a neighborhood yeah. where you just might not ever want to go for, yeah. for many reasons. And yeah. then some of them, this was a, a down, downtown Kansas City. I'm yeah. literally right around the corner from a casino, a courthouse and the city building. I can see them spot. all right out yeah. of the building. And it's yeah. not I mean, it's not a terrible spot. It's just that every other building is vacant. Yeah. Now, that changes so now all of a sudden we've got 30 people working in this building. These 30 people, they're going to eat lunch every day. They're going to buy 
shit at the convenience store that's a few doors down. There's a taco restaurant on the corner. We're going to hopefully not lose all of our paychecks at the casino. If we, you know, we're going to get parking tickets for violating the two hour meter rule. And now, but hey, that's stimulate. Isn't that stimulating a local economy? Absolutely. All those things that you mentioned. And, and, and your story is actually very typical that, uh, you know, it's not, they wanted to be there uh, for one reason or another. Uh, they want to be there. They are going to have an impact. They're going to, again, hopefully grow. And that's our intention. Certainly, they, certainly their intention. They, they don't, they want to, those 30 people will suddenly turn into, or over time will turn into 50 people or then in 60. And then turns into that building across the and street then, and the one next to it. And, and you yeah. get all the spillover. Yeah. It, one thing leads to another. The taco stand opens and then the, the you know, some other restaurant opens. The other thing we've seen, uh, and and it's not just the the building, it's your building itself, or the the services around it. You know, there can be people that are moving into those um, you know multifamily dwellings that might be cropping up nearby because they want to be the workers, people that work there want to be close by too. So yeah, it starts as a spark, as you put it, um, and 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 we've seen it in, in in real life. There's a one of our companies we invested in in Baltimore. You know, it's a beautiful building built in the early uh, early 1900s, uh, uh, a lithograph building. Actually, the pride of that part of Baltimore, they, they uh, did the National Geographic magazines, the lithograph, and then they went out of business. The company went out of business, beautiful building. Uh, the, the building went vacant for uh, 40 years. And then and then it falls apart, and then and, it, oh yeah, trees were growing yeah. in it, and then the roof and then the roof leaks, and then something and else it, happens. And, and, and everybody yeah. leaves the neighborhood. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so the real estate developer we didn't get involved in the real estate developer. The real estate developer said this is a great location. Uh, it's you know this beautiful facade. Let's do something with it. They did, and then one of our companies moved in there. Uh, and they are hiring, uh, they're sort of in the, in the graphic arts animation business. Uh, they hired a bunch of young artists to, to work there. Uh, you know, started with 10 and now it's up to 50 just a year later. And, and what's happened, it's really cool to see, uh, and the company's one of our success stories. Uh, but suddenly those people said, you know what, I see those row houses across the street that were dilapidated also and they say are they up for rent can i rent there because it's literally in the same block and they want to live there and the landlord said sure can you fix it up and blah 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 and suddenly now they're, they're fixing up the sidewalks the streets the facades of the buildings they've got you know so it really made a difference uh in that block now that block will lead to another block and so on and so forth so that's the hope um and it again going back to the public policy side which uh you know i cut my teeth on but then got into the investment business i've seen this work and this policy uh you know i'm a big fan of it uh i think the investors this the, the financial incentives for the investors are quite substantial uh if you look at and they, the, and they need they need to be though because like be. keep in mind this this is not attractive real estate in most no, cases not. and and it's and real estate's a, a real finicky thing. And then all of a sudden, then we put a pandemic in the middle of all yeah. this, which 
and what all I read on the wall on Wall Street Journal and my newsfeed is, you know, this place is going to work remote till the year 4087. And it's cutting, you know, and, and it's cutting down on the need for a lot of that. And it put a lot of pressure on it. It's actually what slowed me down. Now, one of the things, you know, we're sitting here talking about real about opportunity zone investment. So there's there's a key there's a key ingredient that I learned. How, okay, that that you talk about that spot that spark that turns into a little kindling fire that is now like big. Well, something has to provide that spark. Yeah, and there's a few ways. To, so if, if you're an investor, so the investor that owned that building has basically incentivized my business through really, really affordable space. Yep. Right. And, and because we were doing that was able to talk to the city was able to talk to whatever. So why, why did we get such a great deal? It's because we were willing to be first. Yep. We were willing to be first. Now, in some cases that it could be a draw and sometimes it is, it isn't because of the stuff that we do. We're one of the fastest growing companies in Kansas city uh, we have pe- employees that have a higher wage. That's a big. That's a big thing. But whether you're investing or you're looking for a space, so if you're looking for a space, put the feelers out there. Who has some opportunity zone real estate that they want to? Yeah. That they want. You know, like we're willing to. We're willing to explore the possibility. And if you're an investor, go find someone that. Okay, so we create hype with this yep. podcast. Like now we don't. We're recording this remote. That won't always be the case. We will let, we're looking forward to having people come sit down for an experience. Now, look, that's meaningful, though, because those people come and they come and see an area. Now, when I was getting ready to go down working on this a couple of years ago and we were talking, I would tell people I know they'd say, well, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm on my way down to Kansas City, downtown KCK. They say, oh, are you investigating a murder? Like, I actually had someone say that to me, yeah. you know, or like, just like, are you worried you're going to get killed? No, I'm not. And I never was. And it's not like that down there. But but the thing is, is these places become stigmatized. And so there's if you have anything that creates traffic or any kind of draw or uh, your ability to. So I have the ability to showcase that space Mm -hmm. and talk about it and do a lot of stuff because we've built a pretty big audience here at Startup Hustle. We do a lot of other things as well. So look for the things that you do that can create attention and validation or even just like credibility. Like people really do keep asking me, they're like, are you worried? Okay. First off, they're literally the police headquarters is six doors down Yeah, and not the jail. Like where all the cops go to work, like administrative and they all park in a parking garage that is right behind my building. I am not worried about security. Another thing too, is for people to commit crime, there actually have to be people around. (laughs) <laughs> and in a lot of these areas, there's just not that many people occupying the spaces. Now, maybe that changes, but yeah, you know, I haven't, I haven't had any issues with that and, you know, and now we'll see but how I that mean, changes, but well, I mean, you are first and, and, and many of these things are, well, well, we're technically not first because okay, there's other businesses are down there. We're the first business of our kind. Yeah. Like they wanted some been. tech businesses. Everyone's fascinated with tech and startups and whatever, yeah. The businesses that are down there are because the courthouse is close. There's like a bit office building next to us. that's pretty much full of lawyers. 
Yeah. Like that's, you know, so, and it's a lot, it's a lot of the businesses that are around there, like the chamber of commerce is right across the street. Um, and you know, the police station, um, they're in a whole lot past it. There's a bank, uh, now past that three or four blocks at the street, Kansas university just redid an 80,000 square foot building and put a medical center in. And that was the real spark. But yeah. that's a little further down the road. So that's like at the other end of the OZ and we're right. at the other end past well, I, that. But you're, you're hitting on a few points there. One is uh, there's usually some reason in these areas, there's some institutions that aren't going anywhere. There's the Kansas uh, hospital that you mentioned. There's or, or the city building or the city buildings. They're not going anywhere. So there's yeah. a foundation there to begin with. And that's a very typical situation in these, op- there's people that will be there and are interested in that area. And then if you breathe just a little spark <laughs> into that, it is newsworthy. We've experienced that too. Yep. It is newsworthy and you will get publicity for your company, for what you're doing, for investors. People will, I, you know, again, again I'm a, uh, getting on my soapbox here because it's, I think it's a great <laughs> program. And I think there's really something that people should look at, uh, look into. Cause I, it happens. And again, yours is a story. Uh, we're and looking it will at, be, that it, we're looking that's at part of why we talk to the city. That's why we yeah. talk to the city because um, they, they ate I, it just, up. I just refer, yeah, I just refer to it as creating hype, you know, yeah, they and ate like, it up. I'm sure and, they ate it up. I'm sure they did. Well, and- they did. They did. And then the thing is now there's some complexity to that. Um, yeah. You, I mean, there is. Yeah. I, I'm not, that is almost literally a different episode because yeah. <laughs> not everyone's happy you're moving in. Oh, really? Interesting. What's like, that? About? That can happen. I mean, just meaning like there's just questions, you yeah. know, like questions and uh, just like, you know, what does this mean? Is it going to gentrify the neighborhood? Like, or are, 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 is your plan to yep. embrace local businesses? Because here's the thing I mentioned, I live 30 minutes away because people that live in a lot of these communities, uh, they are, uh, they're, they're just hesitant because they've yep. seen, they've the heard community. it all before. Yep. So some of it's kind of like, what are your intentions? What do you want to do? Yep. Like, I mean, for me, I'm just open. I'm just trying to have a place to work. Yeah. Now it makes a lot of sense from even those 30 minutes away from my house. One of the main things, and so we didn't have to have to do this, but this year, but we, we keep a suite at the local arena and we host 70 to 80 events at, at, for, at concerts and events for, we call them sweet and greet. And we have uh, 16 entrepreneurs, investors, or influencers all come with a plus one and enjoy a show and kind of have a good time. Now here's the thing. That's, six minutes away yeah, from that, from the new office. So that's like, uh, that made a lot of sense for us and a lot of other stuff, but yeah, it's also, and now that said, it's also been a lot of work. Yeah. Um, I mean, realistically, when it came to return on effort, I probably should have gotten the place that was right around the corner, but I think that's still TBD in many regards, because like I said, it's, I mean, some of it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, if you can do something positive in and around a community, um, a lot of these spaces are really cool too. Like yeah. you just have to, like, you just, they're, you they're a little different. Like you gotta have some imagination. Well, well when you mentioned like the creative company, like there, yeah. I, okay. There are certain types of businesses that, that, 
just have the attitude and vibe that thrive with yeah. like some of these spaces that are, you know, redone. And like, that's so Marknology, that's Andrew Morgan's business. Yeah. They're all creatives. They do all this kind of crazy marketing stuff and help people sell stuff on Amazon. And like, yeah. they loved the space. Yeah. They loved it. They were like, yeah. this is freaking awesome. Another thing too, is there's like an old coffee shop in the front of it. That's like our community space. So it immediately had some vibe to it and, and yeah. whatever, but it's all, but, but here's the thing is if you're trying to invest in these things, I mean, you can find, I guarantee you, you can find a lot of early stage businesses that are looking for cool, affordable space. Yes. Uh, with that, the word affordable though is iffy because here's a, a couple of things I want to talk to those looking to invest in. So these are some pitfalls we ran into. Okay. So the building we went into had literally not had a, a, a quote real tenant in it uh, since the internet came out. <laughs> Which, which means there wasn't existing infrastructure to provide modern internet to the building. Now, that might not sound like a big deal, but it is. Because when we got there and we went to hook it up, we called in like AT&T and all those, you know, kind of providers. They're like, oh, it'll, uh, it's $70,000 to run the line to your building. Yeah. And you're like, excuse me? <laughs> you know, so, you know, some of that. Now, fortunately, Kansas City, Kansas had run a fiber line through parts of the town and we had to tap into that and we got a little bit of help from the city on that. Yeah. Cause all of a sudden I was like, uh, so the, to hook up the internet will be what I'm going to pay and rent for like two full years. You know? So some of that is like, you ran into a lot of issues. Um, these old buildings have problems. Yeah. We've had to fix the roof a couple of times. Yeah. Um, you know, and just like goofy stuff, just goofy, yeah. weird stuff that does kind of pile on expense wise. And I don't think it's predictable either. I don't think you can predict. Well, some of it you can, I'm sure if you knew what you're doing, but if you don't know what you're doing, there's a wolf in sheep's clothing waiting for you on the other side of that door. Have you run into any stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that does happen. These are old oftentimes, especially in the urban areas, uh, older infrastructure that's common. Um, you, you do have to kind of, at least you may not be able to predict it, but you should be able to foresee some problems or expect some problems. I think that is good advice for people. Uh, and that's going to happen. And there's no way, you know, it's going to happen. I can't tell you what it is in each building. Uh, yeah. But uh, I think, you know, you should prepare for that. But that again, you know, how that meshes out in terms of your return on investment or return on effort, um, uh, you know, is, I would say to be determined, and and, and, uh, and I don't think, um, as a matter of course, it's going to necessarily worsen either one. You talked about your return on effort. Uh, if you consider your effort, uh, broadly speaking, a little more broadly speaking, and again, the opportunity zone investors will have this attitude, a little more broadly speaking, uh, it's worth it. Because you not only there's these spillover effects and it's not just yourself, it's the whole concept of what's going on. Now, that requires a lot. That's, that's, a, that's a big burden to uh, shoulder there. Uh, but how, if, you're, if you're playing with house money, it doesn't matter because yeah, that's exactly. what you're doing in this case. Like you're exactly. going to pay this money to the IRS anyway. So if you roll it over into something, at least you've got a shot. The government wants you to spend it. That's fundamentally what they want you to do. They yep. want you to have to go, the investors and you to go a little extra mile, not 
completely, but go a little extra mile and say, okay, I got to fix the uh, internet uh, infrastructure in your example. Uh, and well, that's what that's what I said to the mayor of Kansas City, Kansas. I said, he, you guys want way, me to try to get people to move down here, but I can't do that if you don't have then, the modern things that modern businesses need. And the mayor will help you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could be that mayor, it could be the next mayor, yeah. it doesn't matter. They, what we found is. Well, sometimes even the like the Internet service providers, like some yeah. of them, like. So we didn't just call one, we called three and then we pitted them against each other. Now here's the thing, they want the business. If they think all of a sudden they're gonna have a bunch of new subscribers in there. Exactly, they're thinking ahead too. They're not just thinking about you, they're thinking, well, wait a minute, if I get this whole building and this thing does become a spark uh, or does, you you know. Those are sticky sticky contracts. They stick around for a while. That's exactly right. So they're thinking about it too. So those are again, the institutional, collaborators that you're going to, that those people aren't going anywhere. Um, they want to stay there. They want to uh, be in that building and they're going to help you to the extent they can. It makes sense for them. And they're going to be long run, uh, long range thinkers as well. But, you know, it, it you got to get started and uh, somebody has to sort of start it. And then it, it does. I've seen that it builds like I'll pick the Baltimore example again. Uh, the city said, you know what, we got to fix they saw the building and they said, you know what, we got to fix the streets around the building. Yep. <laughs> and they so, did that on their initiative because they said they suddenly saw cars there. It's the same story. Oh yeah. They saw cars there. And the people driving the cars, so, it's a pothole. Can you fix it? Yes. And they paved the whole street. <laughs> so that's a that's a you have to live in Kansas City to understand the hot subject that that has been over the last few yeah. years um so so anyway it's no secret that multi-family loan process can be difficult to manage that's why multifamilydebt.com's intuitive online platform can help take the pain out of the process by matching borrowers with lenders vying for their business streamlining the application process and providing guidance from industry experts to help borrowers find the best option multifamilydebt.com that is a lending standard dot com product in a marketplace that makes it easy and efficient to get loans for multi multifamily properties, many of which exist in opportunity zones. So my question is, is are people having a reasonable time and a good time? Are they successfully getting funding and loans to buy these properties? Or is it a, is it an entire dog and pony show to get get them done? No, there's, there's, you know, I don't know what the latest count is, but it's been one of the more successful. It's, it's gotten mixed press, I would say, but it's been one of the more successful uh, uh, programs. Hundreds of billions of dollars. A lot of it's in the shadows. Like it's not actually in the public because there's a lot of people that do their own uh, fund for their own investment. It could be a local real estate developer, and they don't really advertise. They don't. They don't do have to report to the IRS. But there's no one tracking that stuff, that kind of activity. Now, yeah. the OZ fundamentally is an equity investment. It is not a loan. So if you're looking for loans, uh, that's a different program. Uh, this, this requires the investor to make an equity investment. And, and going back to the Spark analogy, you need that equity at the beginning. You need someone to step up and take some risk. The people that are making the loans don't take as much risk, right? They get their money back. At least they're first in line to get their money back. But it's the people that 
have the equity and get the higher returns uh, because they're willing to stick their neck out a little bit more than a loan. So this, the program is designed around equity investments, not, not debt investments. So. Okay. So, well, that, that explains that um, in <laughs> regards to, so, you know, one of the things we like to talk about here on startup hustle isn't always when things go well, it's sometimes when things don't go well, yeah. Um, can, do you can you either share uh, uh, a, a story or a firsthand point of view or heed a little caution for some things that can could or that you've seen kind of implode on people? Yeah, well, some of the some of the problems we've encountered are, you know, I would say typical of startup investing in general. You know, so that's that's a very generic statement with respect to, you know, uh, founders get ambitious and they get, uh, you know, uh, wide eyed. And, and, you know, that's part of the strategy. Again, what we're doing is to invest in a number of companies. So we diversify out that risk. Um, and then the other thing that you see uh, is, uh, you know, there's kind of a uh, there's kind of a big jump. If There's sort of the founders and they have a certain amount of momentum. And what I see in them is, uh, and they bootstrap for a while, typically, to, you know, using their own funds. They get to a point, they need a little bit of money. Uh, but when they, that next step, not the little bit of money, but the next step after that is, is a big step uh, oftentimes. So if they wanted to go from five employees to, let's say, 20, you know, that's a big step, uh, you know, and 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 they got to get their their sort of act and together and that you know that's where uh we typically see the failures uh come in is in, is in that next step so um you know we encourage again uh uh the long term stick with it uh but people sometimes you know don't uh and they just they they they, they kind of lose it so you know that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest risk we have. That's the biggest thing that we see in real life, um, and, and and it's hard. You know, you you talk to uh, entrepreneurs and founders all the time. It's hard. I mean, it's hard work, uh, and you got to be sort of, you know, in there fighting and passionate about what you're doing. And uh, you know, I. Uh, you know, that's, so we've seen that we've seen our share of, uh, you know, of failures, you know, I don't know how to put it. And that, that sounds like, that just sounds like entrepreneurship, man. It's not for the faint of heart and the OZ, uh, doesn't help you on that. Honestly, it's, a, it's, yeah, that's, a, yeah. that's a different beast. Uh, but, um, it is somewhat comforting that you've got at least, at least the way we think about it, you've got a partner that you can, at least, at least your partner is going to try to help because they're 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 invested. They have a vested interest in what they're doing with you. They want you to succeed, uh, and they they can be a you know a source for you uh, through those trying times. So no, that's definitely what happened with our situation. You know, I mean, the someone had to pay for cost the building getting the building customized and build out and whatever. And I mean, we were happy to, you know, to sign a lease for a while and do a lot of stuff. I don't have a whole lot of commitment past that other than trying to be a good, a good tenant in the neighborhood. Yeah. I may make some investments myself down the road. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's uh, 
you know, some of that's just kind of wait and see, just really wanting to make a difference. So with me again, what once again with me today is Leonard Mills. Leonard's the CEO of the Verte Opportunity Fund. You can go to verteoz.com. There's a link in the show notes that'll help you get there faster. While we're at it, you can get matched with commercial multifamily loan options in minutes when you go to multifamilydebt.com. It's an industry-leading solution that simplifies the commercial real estate mortgage process. Visit multifamilydebt.com to learn more. That is a lending standard company. Go check out lendingstandard.com. This has been part of a bigger, broader series related to real estate, real estate investment. We've covered all kinds of topics. Today, we've been talking about opportunity zone investment. We've talked about construction entrepreneurship, talked about Airbnb. We've covered it all. And that's, uh, I feel good because we hadn't, we gotten several hundred episodes into this show and hadn't really, there's so many types of opportunity, like not, not, there's so many types of entrepreneurship and so many different opportunities that you can get into. Um, yeah. You know, like you mentioned, I mean, all of it comes with some assumed risk. I think that um, my wife one, at one point asked me what I compared my job to at something like compare it to something else. I said, riverboat gambler. You wow, know, I just kind of like great. blurted that's that out because I kind of feel that way on some days. You got to, you know, some of it you just. I, that's, that's actually a great. Deal. It's a good, bad, or it's not. Yeah. yeah. It's in opportunity zones where, where it's still very early and it's it's like the Wild West. I mean, it's like people yep. are doing, I've seen Bitcoin stuff. I've seen all kinds, you know, solar stuff. I'm not, and I'm not talking about real, there's tons of real estate. But I, you see all kinds of really interesting projects. So it's really wide open. And and one thing that's maybe encouraging to folks, um, you may be, if you're a particular business, you may be the first opportunity zone business <laughs> in that particular yeah. in that particular niche. Uh, the first OZ riverboat <laughs> to pick up on that analogy. I don't know. As long as it docks. You know, at a, at a place and in, in an opportunity zone is probably eligible. There's no real, you know, it's whatever you want to do is almost there. So, I love stuff like this as an entrepreneur. You know, I'm I'm born and raised in Kansas City, and I did a quick lap around the country and ended up starting my first large scale entrepreneurial venture in Indiana. And I ended up moving back to Kansas because of some insane tax incentives. Yeah. That that occurred here that were created to attract businesses to the state. They worked. Um, and, you know, there's all kinds of interesting stuff out there. I think too many people don't take the time to look for it, whether it's an opportunity zone fund or an R&D tax credit. There's all kinds. I mean, there are just all kinds of incentives for all yeah. kinds of stuff. Like you, you might actually have people already working for you at your company that qualify you for a number of different things. And because you haven't looked into it, you might not even know about it. I mean, and trust me, there are a ton of them. They are out there. You just got to kind of get out there and, and poke around and see what fits and what doesn't. I guarantee you, if you haven't done that, you're leaving money on the table somewhere. So Leonard, I like to do a a quick founders freestyle on the way out of my episodes to say my episodes, because I want you to tune in on Tuesdays listen to Andrew Morgan's. We're going to talk all about e-commerce and Amazon. You know, I say tune in on Tuesdays. We're switching our days of the week around soon. So I'm probably wrong. I'm usually the least informed person here as the founder of Startup Hustle. And 
full scale, but that's okay. And then make sure you tune in weekly with Lauren Conaway, the founder of Innovate Her, where she tackles some interesting and important topics for all of us to hear. So, uh, and, and I almost forgot, we have guest hosts. You will, you're going to hear some not so familiar voices and by the time they become familiar they will probably be done with their guest series so trying to bring in some subject matter experts that are really really good at talking about some of the things that we are not experts on so leonard on the way out like what's the best advice you can give for someone that wants to make opportunity zone investments well, there's two sides of the street. We talked a lot about the businesses. Um, so I encourage, you know, the businesses to learn about them. Going back to your point, um, there's typically layers of tax incentives, not just the opportunity zones. So I would not be narrow-minded with respect to the opportunity zones. That's on the business side. On the investor side, uh, you know, uh, we didn't talk about that as much. The uh, investment incentives are significant. I would encourage investors to learn about them. If anybody wants to reach out to me on that particular topic, uh, you know, feel free. Uh, there's lots of stuff on the internet. It looks overwhelming. I guess my biggest advice is it's not because it's doable. People are doing it um, and they're doing it in, in increasingly significant size. Right? It's still the wild west, as I alluded to, it's anything's open. Um, but I would really encourage uh both sides of the street, both the investors and the investees, the companies, that uh, they should, you know, keep an open mind. Don't think about it as overly bureaucratic. It's not. There are some compliance. You do have to follow the rules, uh, but they are manageable, and uh, it's I think worthwhile. I think my advice is to be creative and yeah. then find people that are already experts. There are ex. There is a lot of subject matter expertise uh, on this out there, kind of like. Leonard mentioned the compliance points and some of that. I mean, lawyers, accountants, uh, you know, uh, uh, people that are already doing it um, yeah. are a good place to start. And, and along the way, those are the best people to often point you towards the people that you may do something with. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, go check out what Leonard and everyone at Verte is doing. Um, as you mentioned, there's no boundaries there. So I, I, I'm pretty sure that you want to hear from the people. Yes. <laughs> there you go. That's the perfect way to end the show, Leonard. I'll, I'll see you next time. Reach out to Leonard for those of you listening. See you down Thank the road. You. Thank you so much. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.